Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. Call 877-499-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So cancel the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 877-499-MY-TV. Right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $24.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $24.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Cancel the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call now, 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Today's show is going to be really special because of our guest. Who's our guest today? Yeah, a good friend of ours, uh, Bruce Jenkins, longtime Bay Area sports writer who uh, is really, I think, one of the best baseball writers in America. And I'm saying that because I've been reading him for so long and enjoyed his his work, but also he's going to talk about a, a book he's written about music as, as well. So it's going to be kind of a fun uh, conversation about baseball and music today. Oh, especially because he's got the certain connections within the family, Yes, right? okay. very much so, yeah. All right, at each commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question. We're going to be giving away vacations to the first email with the correct answer. Those vacations are not sponsored by the radio station, but by Lighthouse Resort and Marina, and those vacations are free. Their only request is a $100 cleaning fee to cover the housekeeping expenses. Check them out at Lighthouse Resort and marina.com today's trivia theme since we just had the baseball all-star game is major league baseball all-star games we'll have questions about that and uh, also i was reading a little article about minor leaguers filing a lawsuit alleging that their pay violates federal and state minimum wage laws well it depends on what level you're talking about. well extra batting practice traveling between games and we'll talk a little bit about where does it where does it end okay okay and this segment of sports econ 101 is sponsored by pacific private money providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding eight percent secured by real estate it doesn't get any more conservative than that you got to check them out at pacific private money and by the way sports econ 101 has a special going on if you go to our sports econ 101 website and click on paintball you'll get 85 percent off of uh, paintball tickets all around the country there's like many many venues for that so go to sports econ 101 and click on the paintball icon and uh, see what uh, packages we've got available for 85 percent off so don't touch that dial. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back with our guest, Bruce Jenkins.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. Pedro Fernandez, who you might know me as the host of Ring Talk Live Worldwide, but this time I'm here to talk about that four-letter word everybody dreads, pain. If you have back pain or knee pain like I do, hey, you should know about the Health Alert Hotline. I'm talking about if Medicare is your primary medical insurance, and guess what? You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything to help me with the pain, hey, makes it more manageable, gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery, and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what? Give the Health Alert Hotline a call toll-free, 1-800-428-1570. 1-800-428-1570. You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. 1-800-428-1570. The Health Alert Hotline. 1-800-428-1570. Want to stay in touch with your favorite Sports Byline USA network hosts? Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sports Byline USA. You can also see the latest news in the world of sports, learn about upcoming contests and giveaways, plus catch up on guest info so you never miss a moment with the biggest names in every sport. Football, basketball, baseball, MMA, and more. No matter where you are in the U.S. or around the world, you can stay connected to the host and fans who love what you love. So check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Byline USA. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, we have another Bruce on the phone. We do. We have Bruce Jenkins, who uh, writes for the San Francisco Chronicle. He's been writing for them for well over 30 years, covering a lot of baseball, basketball, was a beat writer for the A's for a long time, and writes a regular column. And Bruce, got to ask you a little bit about the All-Star game. We talked about how uh, this was a strange game played in a National League park with American League rules, and the winner, of course, uh, now the winner of the American League pennant gets the home field advantage. Kind of a strange setup, but I guess they want the game to mean something, but it sounds like the players just want to have fun. <laughs> Well, it's it's probably the least important game you could possibly have, and it decides the most important game. You know, if it comes down to Game Seven, which is an unbelievably farcical premise, um, the whole idea that they, you know, 
everybody's got a different agenda in this game. I mean, I, I heard from Pedro Gomez, who was on the scene for ESPN, that by the end of the game, more than half of the players on each team had left the building. They weren't <laughs> there. Really? They weren't even in the building? They weren't even in the, They left the ballpark. So, Jeez. I mean, you know, and the managers are playing everybody under the sun, and, you know, the great players are getting only two at bats. Nobody treats the game as if it means a thing. Yeah. You know, I do agree with the idea of playing under American League rules because, you know, as, as a fan, who wants to see a pitcher hit? Well, the only reason uh, I think that, that you should not have a DH in the All-Star game is because he would, he would hit for the pitcher every time. He wouldn't hit. He wouldn't hit. Therefore, you're able to bring a guy off the bench, he gets his appearance, he pinch hits, and then he's gone, and you can keep the regulars in there. I guess that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. Hey, as far as this year goes, this has been kind of an interesting year. I mean, there have been some surprises uh, throughout baseball. Do you have any one particular story that is intriguing to you, perhaps more than any other, in terms of a team that has accomplished uh, what a lot of people didn't think they were going to be able to uh, to do? Well, I, having been in Cleveland for the NBA Finals uh in uh, watching the Warriors series there, and and re- really realizing what those fans have gone through over the years, it's their first professional major sports title since 1964. Mm. Um, it's kind of cool to see the Indians uh, making some noise. That is a great story, and of course, out here in the Bay Area, the Giants, with all the injuries they've had, have won 57 and 33 going into the second half. Has that surprised you at all? I mean, number one, number two on the rotation with Bumgarner and Cueto, both All Stars. But you look at the lineup, and you know it's been decimated with injuries, and yet they're winning all these close games. Yeah, it's been surprising in light of, of, of the injuries. I, I thought from the beginning of spring training that that they would win the division with the Dodgers finishing second. But the fact that they have more wins than the Cubs, you know, going all this time without Pence and Panic and and Duffy and having some rotation and bullpen issues is just remarkable. One of the things also I really – and we're talking with Bruce Jenkins of the San Francisco Chronicle. One of the things also that's kind of intriguing out here on the West Coast is that, you know, the saga of the Oakland A's continues to be one – it's kind of a sad story. I mean, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, discussed it the other day, talked about the possibility of, you know, where this team is maybe going to be and and discussed the the fact that he wants them to stay in Oakland, whereas Bud Selig in years past kind of ignored it and just said, well, it's up to the city of Oakland to figure out what to build – uh, you know, what kind of a facility build for this team or if the A's want to work with the city. Uh, you know, how do you see this situation resolving itself? Is it just going to continue forever? Are they in – it's kind of like they're in purgatory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, the, the Raiders have a lot to do with it, you know, because both, both of those teams want new stadiums. They, 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 they both kind of like to stay on the same lot they're on with, with a new facility, but the idea of building two, two parks there is, is not very feasible. Yeah, because they don't, they don't want to share, do they? No, no, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean they're you know they're they're sharing now, and it's a, it's a disaster. I mean, you can't build a new a new ballpark for multi-purpose. That that went out in the seventies. I mean, if the A's build a park in Oakland, it's got to be baseball only. But you know, the Raiders are making a lot of noise about going to Las Vegas, and you know, Bruce, they, they don't want to be here. I mean, Mark Davis has made it clear they they don't want to be here. So, in my opinion, just get out as soon as possible. Get Let them leave. Yeah. We don't want you anymore. Well, well for the first uh, probably <laughs> I, 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 four games, they'd have to play away because it's too hot in Vegas. Yeah. Well, they're talking yeah, I, about an indoor facility, I, I don't aren't care they? Where they go, but uh, that would clear the way for the A's to to 
to build a ballpark, perhaps right on that same site, tear down the Coliseum and build a baseball park. Yeah, it just hasn't been the same since the Raiders moved back here in 95. They had some good years. You know, generally speaking, they've been a, a poor team on the field. But the the same kind of magic that we saw, and I got to cover a lot of those teams in the 1970s, it's just not the same. And I think that a lot of the old fans recognize that. Some of the new fans, it just seems like you go to a Raider game, Bruce, tell me if I'm wrong, half the people are not even from the Bay Area. They fly up from L.A., they come out from wherever they they are. It's almost like they have a cult following. They fly in from Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I totally understand the romance of the Raiders, and I, I'm old enough to remember those great games of the 70s and great teams and oh, great yeah. identity that the team had. And it's not that I'm especially wanting them to leave, except for the fact that they want to leave. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting, though. I, I was a big fan of the Raiders during the 70s, and then when they left to go to L.A., it re- it it really kind of broke my heart, and then when they came back, it was I was kind of the you know who cares. Yeah, well that's a that is a heartbreaker. It's like you know you break up with your girlfriend and you, you try to get it back you know, a few years later. And it's just it's really not going to work if it really wasn't working in the first place. Yeah, know? I tried. My wife didn't like that too much, but was, <laughs> yeah, I ran into your wife by the way in a Sanders story. Oh, that's right, she yeah, did. Yeah, she yeah. said she saw you. Yeah. It's a small town. That's what that's one of the great things about living in the Bay Area, Bruce. We live in this. Enormous. It seems like one of the it is one of the largest areas in the country in terms of population. But you run into people if you live here all your life. You're constantly running into people you know, and that's one of the things I love about covering sports. Is though even though a lot of the media folks come and go, we see people like yourself or Henry Schulman or you know John Miller at the ballpark, and that that familiarity that you have with with the people and just the whole atmosphere. I think kind of keeps us, those of us in the media, going back out there. I think that's half the enjoyment is just seeing all the faces that you are familiar with. Yeah, yeah, that, that's always been the case for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm my 43rd year at the Chronicle now. But as you wow. say, I've been writing, <laughs> actually writing for a little over 30 years. But um, that continuity is great, you know. And we've lost some people. We've lost Dick O'Connor and Nick Peters and Ron Bergman, you know, guys that I used to look up to and, and would tell me stuff about how it, how it goes. But... Uh, you know, the, the the players on the teams change a lot, but you see the same faces in the press box. You know, the the ones with longevity and been able to hold that job for all the all the best reasons are, are still around, and that's pretty gratifying. Are the players today, you think, as accessible and as agreeable to sit down and tell stories as they were, say, 20, 30 years ago? Or maybe because you're older and because the players are more highly paid in their ritual, their, their, their regimen is a little more organized. They're just not as, as available as they used to be. What's your reflection on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, way back when I started out, um, obviously there was no Internet, no social media. Uh, the TV crews would come in just for quick spots, but I think when players really wanted to be heard, uh, they were really willing to sit down with a, with a newspaper writer because that was, that was the way it would, it would get out to the public. You know, now uh, there's really no need for – for any of them to do any interviews, really. I mean, they, they can they can tweet out or in any form of social media what the, what's on their mind uh, at any length. Um, and the, you know, the, the the television presence is a lot stronger, um, and they can that way they're definitely gonna, not going to be misquoted. And you know, the, the newspapers have definitely fallen by the wayside. I, I think it's it's regrettable, um, and I, it's certainly not going to get any better. I could see, you know, in several years, the clubhouse access being even more restricted. Well, of course, you have to do work also for the 
uh, internet uh, uh, site for the San Francisco Chronicle, which means that you're going to get the younger, you know, let's face it, a lot more young people are going on the internet. There are people our age that are doing it as well, but it seems like that's, uh, you know, something that you just have to do. The tweeting, the texting, all that kind of thing is part of part and parcel of your job today. Do you have any favorite players that you like to talk to today that are guys that maybe managers that you enjoy interacting with, Bruce, on a regular basis? Well, uh, in terms of managers, um, I mean, I've always enjoyed talking to, to both uh, Bruce Boshi and Bob Melvin. One great thing about baseball that hasn't changed is that you can go into the clubhouse, and if they know you and they know that you know, you've know you got some credibility, you can just sit there and just sort of BS around and have talk off the record, crack a few jokes, and feel comfortable in there, which is so far from the case in the NFL where they don't want you to – know anything at all ideally they suppress everything you you knew too, too much conspiracy theories state, going on. state secrets very yes, important exactly okay hey bruce stay with us uh, we're going to cut to our first or second commercial break but first trivia question uh you guys will know this but don't answer until we come back all right why did the 2002 all-star game end in a tie mm. all right that's our question email edward at sports econ 101.com the answer to that question and the first email with the correct answer is going to win that free three-day two-night stay at the lighthouse resort question again is why did the 2002 all-star game end in a tie right don't touch that dial sports econ 101 will be right back Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall and Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall and Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall and Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall and Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800-480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home. 
but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? But it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit, but you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question about uh, the Major League All-Star Game. Baseball, of course. Why did the 2002 All-Star Game end in a tie? And we'll let Bruce answer that one. Why did that happen, Bruce? They ran out of players. They ran, they ran out of pitchers, yeah. <laughs> you remember the, the great photo, I think it was, of Bud Sillig sort of throwing his hands up in the air going, well, there's nothing much more we can do. <laughs> you, know, you know, the flip side of that is when they had the All-Star Game at Candlestick Park in 1961. It went into the 10th inning, and the National League won the game, and the players responsible for it were Willie Mays, Henry Aaron, and Roberto Clemente. Wow. So talk about, you know, keeping the starters in the game. Jeez. You don't see that happen too often anymore. Yeah. Well, Bruce, in addition to writing about baseball, has written about a number of other topics, and we should mention that Bruce's father, Gordon Jenkins, was a, uh, a world-renowned composer and uh, also worked with Frank Sinatra and a number of other uh, well-known musicians. And, and, Bruce, you were surrounded by that uh, as a, as a young boy growing up, and you've written another. You wrote a book about your dad after he passed, um, but you've written another book about music. and And tell us a little bit about this book, because it just came out. It sounds interesting. Yeah, uh, you probably know Steve Ketman. He was a beat writer for the Chronicle on the A's and the Sharks. Sure. Uh, he's become a publisher down in uh, Soquel, south of Santa Cruz. He runs a thing called Wellstone Publishing, which which published uh, Bruce Boshi's book of walks and uh, Ken Korak's book on Bill King. And more recently, Dusty Baker, a book called Kiss the Sky, about how music changed Dusty's life. And Kevin got it in his head that because of my background, he wondered if I might be number two in the series of how music changed my life. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't know, I guess so. And we started talking, and uh, next thing you know, I started uh, talking to Steve and writing things down about, uh, you know, in my household, we heard a lot of Sinatra and Tony Bennett and, you know, Stravinsky and great opera and very great serious music. And I heard, you know, when I, once I heard Motown, and the, the, the title of the book is Shop Around, that was like a wake-up call for me when Shop Around came out with Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. I was 12 years old in 1960, and that, was, that as it turned out, was the first big Motown hit. It was on the Tamla label, but it was Barry Gordy's uh, Motown Empire. And uh, I just sort of wrote about how, um, how that music did change my life and how it wasn't that popular in the household, although my mom was a little more agreeable to it. <laughs> And uh, it's just, it's a mini book. It's 131 pages. I also get into my love of the Stax, uh, Stax Records music with Otis Redding, Sam and Dave, Carla Thomas, and Steve Cropper, and Booker T, mm-hmm. and all that. And I had a lot of fun sort of exploring what, what the Motown and Stax operations were all about, who the backup musicians were, and kind of went deep on that and really had a, had a blast doing it. You, you want to hear something funny? Okay, when I was a kid, in the uh, being in the car, my dad would always play the uh, you know jazz music right from the yeah. 40s, 30s, and 40s and stuff like that. 
And then I'd try to, you know, turn the dial and put it on to rock and roll, and he'd say, turn that crap off, right? <laughs> so then I'm in the car, and my son is a drummer, and he loves jazz. So I'll listen to rock and roll. He changes it to jazz. I say, turn that crap off! <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I know. That, that, that's why I think a lot of people can relate to this book, because uh. we've all had that experience. You know, the musical t- taste changed through the generations, and the it's unlikely that everybody in the family is sitting around listening to the same thing, you know? One of the one of the fascinating things about Bruce's book that he wrote about his father was a chapter that you wrote about, I think it was an afternoon you spent with Frank Sinatra, and it was rather late in Sinatra's life, I believe. And tell us right. that story, because that, that to me is one of the most fascinating things. First of all, how did you, well, I guess you had an entree with him because your dad was, you know, intimates with Frank, worked together, but what was that like sitting down with Sinatra for almost a full afternoon? That was unbelievable, and I, of course, it's entirely about my dad. I mean, you know, Walter Cronkite was lucky to get a one-on-one interview with Sinatra, but that's how much he felt about my dad. And I started researching the, uh, the book about my dad's life after he passed away in 1984, and and every I was really wanted to talk to Sinatra if it was going to be at all possible. And we had the we had the key phone number to his A1 secretary, a woman named Dorothy, and I called Dorothy, and she said, "Oh, you know." I talked to Frank. He'd love to do it. He's really busy, and that sort of went on for about four years. Wow. He's, he's really busy. <laughs> of course, he was. He's Frank Sinatra, for God's yeah. sake. But, um, but I, didn't, I wasn't a pest. I'd check in every four months or so, and then one day in 92, I just happened to be down in L.A. at the time. I got a call from Dorothy and said, can you be here at 4 o'clock in Beverly Hills? Wow. And I, I sure was. I could have been in Egypt, and I would have been. <laughs> <laughs> Did he show up and greet you at the door? Did he have somebody open the door? And then uh, uh, well, somebody, somebody else opened the yeah. door. But uh, when I got in there, the, the foyer was just teeming with all these guys. Uh, Julie Rizzo was there. It looked like a bunch of mob guys, you know. And I'm you know, God, this isn't going to happen. And all of a sudden, I, like, looked out the window, and when I, when I turned back around, everybody was gone. It's like Frank snapped his fingers, and everybody vanished into wow. the air. He goes, let's go back in the back here. So we went back into a little room, and a very, uh, a very nice lady came and took our drink orders, and we're drinking screwdrivers and ordered my dad. And and uh, we had a he gave me an hour, and we had a the best hour interview, as you can imagine, any journalist could ever have. It was really rewarding, and I, you know, it became a big part of my book. Obviously. So are you corroborating the fact that uh, the rumors may be true about Frank and the mob? Oh, nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was Frank like, though, when he talked about your dad? Did he get very sentimental? Because uh, yeah, I know he, that they were, very, they were very close. He was in tears by the end at the thought that he was no longer there. They, my dad and he worked on eight albums together, which wow. had... Um, arranged, you know, everybody in the orchestra and conducted it in the studio. They were extremely close. My, Frank was extremely complimentary about my dad's command of an orchestra. He put it above all the arrangers that he worked with in that in that one regard. And I just learned a lot about how, you know, they they would uh, hang out together sometimes, really really quietly, and tell each other's each other's problems. And uh, pretty pretty revealing because my dad never. Said anything about hanging out with Sinatra? That's just how private it was between the two of them. Now, Frank had a very private life. I mean, he he was a public figure, and sometimes some of the things he did uh, probably got in the newspaper, and he probably wasn't too happy with it. But he, it seemed like he really kept a veil of secrecy around his life. So it's amazing that you got a chance to sit down with him. Was he was he pretty uh, easygoing with you? Did he did he ask you, yeah. Hey, Bruce, why are you getting into sports writing? Why don't you become a you know get into music like your dad? Or was he did he like the fact that you got into sports writing? Well, I mean, I, I long ago had, had uh, realized that I wasn't going to be a musician of uh, my dad's caliber, not even close. I mean, 
And my mom was a professional singer of the highest order and could sing anything in any key at any time right on the spot. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I was okay, but not in that family. I, I, I wanted to be a sports writer early on, and I, I knew right about the age of 12 that that was going to be gone. So, that, no, Fred, nobody ever knew me as a musician. <laughs> Well, and of course, you you mentioned this this new book that you've written, uh, and Motown. What a what an effect that it had. It's interesting too because I remember covering my first teams in the nineteen seventies. I'm sure that you remember this also. The African American players, uh, almost to a man, I, I remember going in the clubhouse and they would have their little. Uh, I guess they had their little you know music playing with the, with the uh, Smokey Robinson, the Miracles, or, you know, the main ingredient or whoever. And it really was a part of the, the clubhouse atmosphere was that, that soul or, or the music that, that really became the Motown sound that really became sort of America's, uh, you know, second music or important part of American uh, culture. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's still, that, that's been the case all through time. I mean, you go into the clubhouse and you hear whatever's going on, at, you know, whatever's contemporary I mean, I go in there now, and I wish they'd turn the damn thing down. Yeah, exactly. The hip-hop or the it's rap just, stuff. just horrible. Yeah. Not, not melodic in the slightest. Yeah. No. And I know. I, I figure if, 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 I, if any four-year-old can do that stuff, I'm not interested. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't get it. I hate to sound like an old crotchety guy, but in terms of musicianship and melodies, there's, there's truly no comparison. You ever talk to some of the athletes about music? Are they? I would think that... Some of the players would love to talk about that sort of thing because they probably get so tired of talking about baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Occasionally, I, I'm really not getting into the clubhouse very much. So, you know, as we were talking about, the access is limited. I, I hate going in there and just standing there, mm. like with everybody else, like waiting for somebody to appear to talk about something. You know, I, I want to have a specific question in mind that maybe nobody else is going to ask, uh, or I'm just not going to be in there. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, you know, I, I'd rather just. Watch the game and and write it the way I see it, and if it needs interpretation, then I'll certainly go, go down there. But That's a good way. Uh, I had many more. I had much much deeper relationships with players when I was on the beat throughout the '80s and into the '90s. Who were some of the guys back in the day that you enjoyed dealing with, especially on those Oakland A's teams? Because I would think they're, you know, between Ricky Henderson and uh, Dave Stewart and Dennis Eckersley, they were some real colorful characters. Yeah, Eckersley was the best. I mean, you know, he's famous for you know his stand up. Uh, interviews after a disaster, you know, the Roberto Alomar or Kirk Gibson, but he was great on a day-to-day basis. He's extremely funny, really bright and sophisticated and different, kind of had his own lingo, you know, and uh, Dwayne Murphy, I remember being a great yeah. guy. Jay Howell is one of the one of the guys I actually became friends with, one mm-hmm. of the very few players in any sport that I became sort of remotely friendly with. Uh, he, he was a fantastic guy. Uh, you know, and, and I always enjoyed working with Billy Martin. It could get real fiery sometimes, <laughs> but uh, there was nobody as, quite as interesting as him. Did, did you ever come uh, almost to fisticuffs with anybody? With any players? Yeah, or... Uh, no, you know. no, I, I've had players yell at me, but I mean, uh, usually when when stuff like that happens, it's it's over something that's that's really personal, or or maybe when somebody yells at you, you feel like yelling back, like you know, and throwing in your own little obscenities there, like you want to fight. I'm totally not that way, and I, I generally don't write. I, I write about performance, and if, if somebody doesn't perform, and I I write it, there's nothing really someone can say. Yeah. Well, it's like here, you know, we're not Jerry Springer. We always are yeah. nice to our guests. You know, we wanted them back on. You know, <laughs> what was your relationship? I, I, I'm not into the, the confrontation you and the, you know, yeah. getting personal life in there, you know, asking players about their past, you know, steroids sure, or uh, sure. ad, 
you know, arrests or whatever. Yeah. It's, that's just not my personality. Hey, before we let you go, i got to ask you, what was your relationship like with Barry Bonds? How did you get along with him? Uh, zero from start to finish. Uh, when, when, he, when he came to the Giants, um, I very politely asked him three times for an interview, just, just, a, just a profile, kind of a puffy, hey, isn't this great kind of piece. And he turned me down all three times without being terribly nice about it. Mm. And, and so I just – and as I watched him over the years, the way he dealt with players – and fortunately, I became a columnist where I didn't have to talk to him. So I, you'd never see me in those scrums. You'd never see me among those 25 people sitting around his locker for them to tell him, like, three words. Gotcha. Bruce. He, he, he's a good guy uh, in a lot of ways, but it, when he was playing with the media, mm. uh, as bad as I've ever seen. Bruce Jenkins from the San Francisco Chronicle, thanks again for joining us. Thanks a lot, Bruce. Good okay. talking to you, man. Guys. All, All right. right. Okay, real quickly. Uh, who won the first home run derby in 1985? Don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 will be right back. Join Sail Now for a day of sailing, blue skies or fog, good company, and fun on the beautiful San Francisco Bay. The company sails out of the North Bay mostly on weekends, and you can enjoy a picnic lunch on Angel Island depending upon which cruise you choose. Several different opportunities to sail are available, anything from short or long day cruising to basic lessons to more classes and workshops, and they typically have a maximum of four people on the boat www.sailnow.com or 650-619-6896. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com, your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Imagine your child cannot hear or speak. What do you do? Where do you go? Weingarten Children's Center provides innovative and effective services to children with hearing and communication difficulties. Support our programs by attending the second annual Chili Cook-Off at the San Jose Flea Market on Saturday, July 23rd, where one of last year's contestants went on to win the World Champion Chili Cook-Off. Taste delicious chilies while helping our children. Learn more and support today at listenspeaklearn.org. How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like, because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this. So call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. 
You can also visit us at PacificMoneyFund.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our third, or excuse me, here was our second trivia question. Who won the first home run derby in 1985? You know, I didn't even know they went back that far. Uh, I covered the 84 uh, All-Star game, which was won by the National League at Candlestick 3-1, to and I can't remember the next year who did win the first home run derby, so you're going to have to illuminate D- me. Dave Parker. Ah, that sounds yeah, about right. Sounds yeah. right. I'm trying to remember who who won the World Series in '84. '84 would have been. Let's see. Because '83 was the Tigers. Tigers. '83 yeah, was the actually, oh oh the Orioles. Yeah, the Orioles won. Ah, that's right. '84 yeah. was the Tigers. The Tigers. Kirk Gibson. Yeah. T- the Tigers beat the uh, San Diego Padres, I believe, four games to one or four games to none. And Kirk Gibson, I think, hit two home runs in that last game. Yeah. I would have. You know, I should have asked Bruce Jenkins about Kirk Gibson because there's an interesting guy. <laughs> but you, you, he mentioned Dennis Eckersley. And Dennis Eckersley started a, a, a term which has become par, part of the lexicon of baseball language, the walk-off uh, home run. And in Eckersley's parlance, it was actually known as the walk-off piece. And what it was was when a pitcher, a reliever specifically, would give up a game-winning homer, he would walk off the mound towards the dugout in shame. And it was not supposed to be a positive thing, but it became this, a walk-off. You know, you walk <laughs> off the field and you're happy. And Dennis not Eckersley the used pitcher, to, but well, And him. I asked him about that. I said, what do you think? And he goes, I don't like it. You know, <laughs> it's a mockery of what I meant to say. But well, his, his, the original walk-off, of course, was Kirk Gibson said, yeah. beating him in the, in the 1988 World Series, which, of course, turned that whole series into the Dodgers' favor. So. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, okay, the, well, the way it's taken now, a walk-off home run. You hit, you hit that over the fence. You don't have to run around the bases. You just kind of jog around. Jog around. The base. around. Yeah, That's where know. the walk-off. Yeah, yeah. that's got to be sense. tough though. For you think about a, a relief pitcher, a great relief pitcher, and they this happens to even the best ones. You have maybe that happen once or twice a year. Have it happen in a World Series <laughs> or a playoff game. And for Eckersley, there, there was what he, uh, Bruce Jenkins sort of obliquely mentioned. The other one with Sandy Alomar uh, Jr. Uh, actually, it was Roberto Alomar, I'm sorry, of the Toronto Blue Jays. And it was game four, a uh, close game. I think it was in the eighth inning and in Oakland. I was covering this game, and he had a three-run homer off of Eckersley in a close game. And it was like, oh, and that's another one. But, you know, you don't think of all the saves that guy had. You think of yeah. the failures. That's the problem with a reliever. Well, especially with uh, Kirk Gibson being uh, hop-along. Oh, you yeah. Know, gimpy. Well, he, and that arm. was the only at-bat the entire yeah. Postseason for him, I think he actually played in the in the uh, NLCS, but in, in the World yeah. Series, that was his only at bat, and the Dodgers still won without their star. That yeah. was uh, well, Her- or Earl Hershiser was a he was, was a bulldog. He was remarkable. <laughs> he was absolutely remarkable. So uh, I I brought up earlier in the in the first segment about my, reading this article right. about minor leaguers filing a lawsuit alleging. I'm sorry, I have to laugh about yeah. this alleging that their pay violates federal and state minimum wage laws. Now, where specifically did this happen? Was it one particular group of minor leaguers in one particular league? You know, or? that's a good question. I, I saved I'm, it. I'm just, wondering, it again. I'm just wondering, you know, if it gets to, to the AAA level, those guys get paid fairly well. Double A, single A, not so well. We have a team here in uh, San Rafael where, the, where this broadcast emanates from, minor league independent team, and they're paid, I think, about $1,000 a month. For yeah. three months, they get 3000 I think that's it. So they don't, you know, they're just happy to be doing it. But I'm wondering, um, you know, because minor leaguers compared to the big leaguers are, are paid a pittance, but unless they're, you know, a top draft pick that is going to be fra- fast tracked to the big club, yeah. and then you don't see that very often. But all. but realistically, though, again, you know, you, the travel time, yeah. you know, what are they supposed to get paid for that? Right. Extra batting practice. I mean, interesting. You know, it's sort of like the uh, antitrust laws where, uh, you know, you just. 
the there's certain rules that you go, well, maybe they just shouldn't apply to sports, yeah. you know, baseball specifically. Baseball, I tell you, baseball players maybe don't have it quite as good as basketball because the NBA just signed this uh, new contract with the television networks, which gave them billions uh, of dollars for the future. And this is why they've been able to spend, uh, you know, like uh, drunken sailors on on. Pl- I mean, look at the guys that are making the, the superstars in two or three years are going to be making $30, $40 million a year. The average players will be making 14 or $15 million. A guy like Zaza Pachulia, now he's just a he's backup. Good. He's a good player. Yeah, good. He signed a one-year deal for two point nine. He could have stayed in Dallas for three times that amount, but he wanted a chance to win a title. But think about it. Zaza Pachulia is a decent, you know, yeah, he's decent. player, but he's going to make seven, eight, nine, ten million if he stays in Dallas. So... You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's, that way, it's kind of insulting to Dallas to say, yeah, I'm going to leave you because I want to go with a contender. What, what, what? We're not a contender? Well, I think it's, he's looking at the – they picked up Kevin Durant, and they've got Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green. And speaking of Draymond Green, not to get off on a tangent about this, but this whole thing about him slapping um, this, this guy that was insulting him. From, now, we've read now about how this whole thing happened. I guess the two men, Green and this uh, – I think he was a freshman or a sophomore football player, wide receiver uh, from Michigan State, which is, uh, of course, Draymond Green's alma mater. They were in a bar, and Green sort of bumped against him, and the guy said, this is according to the guy, he said, hey, you know, watch out. And Green said, don't you, don't you know who I am? And so they ran into each other later that night um, at this all-night uh, place where you get a, a bite to eat, you know, that doesn't serve any alcohol, you know, get, you get your breakfast kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, they had some words, and they went outside, and the next thing you know, and unfortunately, <laughs> Green is just not thinking. He's not a dumb guy, but he's just not thinking. Uh, and he had, a, unfortunately, a .10 blood alcohol level. Ooh. He slaps this guy in the face with the back of his hand, like, and a loud crack in, you know, was heard, and there's a cop. Uh, standing like 15 feet away. <laughs> I mean, that's just... Well, the, if you're going to do it, you might as well have witnesses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he did it right in front of the cop. So they they arrested him, they handcuffed him. I mean, talk about humiliation. You know, for slapping somebody, you get arrested, handcuffed, and, and you have to pay a fine and go to court. Yeah. I mean, that's absurd. But, but also, this, the, the, it's, I don't like these, you know, don't you know who I am. Well, I know. And, and, know, and Green uh, may, you, You're just a human being. Yeah, I, he, he may a good just... good basketball player, well, but yeah. you're just a human being. Yeah, we're hearing it all... Again, I'm not... I'm not uh, condoning what Draymond no. Green did. We're only hearing it from the other guy's viewpoint. It's interesting, though, too, that uh, this guy was asked by a, a, a reporter, are you going to file charges? Are you going to f- go to uh, you know, go to court and file a lawsuit? Yes, I am. And I'm just for, thinking to myself. For what? I mean, for, you know, yeah, yeah. damages? I, he slapped me in the face. He humiliated me. And, and that's got to be worth $100 million, right? Well, and I, <laughs> I, I think he'll probably settle out of court. You know, he'll probably get a ten grand or something. Draymond will give him. Oh, yeah, I mean, this, what is a thing. hand across the face worth? Well, if you hit, if you knock the guy's eye out or oh, yeah, injure of himself, but <laughs> if you slapped him in the face for crying out loud. I mean, I'm not condoning that. No, Don't I get know, me wrong. No, we're not saying that. So, and, you know, and the thing is, if it's a man versus woman, uh, oh, it's all over yeah, then. No, yeah. Well, what was it? Ray Rice was that the guy that beat up his wife and they in, in, in initially the in the elevator, and then they had the shot. They had two cameras, cameras one inside yeah. the elevator that showed him beating her up, and one outside the elevator where he was dragging her out of the elevator. Yeah, that's. A little different. Little different. <laughs> Just little a slap different. across the face. Yeah. Especially oh, when yeah. she got knocked out, as I remember. Uh, she was knocked out cold. And the amazing thing was, I, I'm not sure about this, but I think they got back together. 
Talk about a dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, yeah. Come on. I'll, I'll love to have you slap he, me around again. He promises to only do it once a year. <laughs> no more than once a year. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, and I don't want to get off on a tangent on, on negativity here, but did you read this thing recently about how Joe Paterno, I guess, I guess yeah. knew years yes. in advance that what Jerry Sandusky, his good buddy and assistant coach, was doing, yeah. and he did yeah. nothing about it. And a boy, a young boy who was one yeah. of the players, came to him. Yeah. And he goes, I don't have time for this. I'm preparing for the season. See, what I don't understand God, is what is going what, on there. I mean, again, we're you know being a fly on the wall. Sure. Let's say, does Paterno take Sandusky aside and say, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm getting these reports from these people. What are you doing?" Maybe, or do maybe you, he did do that, and maybe Sandusky is so sick that he just couldn't help himself. You know, and in that case, if that was the case, say, why didn't Sandusky just quietly suspend him for? Personal uh, Paterno health or Paterno, yeah, yeah Sandusky, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, suspend him. But I, you know, that it's sad because it, on, because though. I think Paterno did feel guilty about it later because he. It, I think I, that's what killed him. I think it's what killed him, and it's yeah. sad. His legacy is forever tarnished. You know, I mean, they're not even going to honor him at Penn State anymore, and they shouldn't. Yeah. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. I mean, to turn a blind eye to that kind of thing. That's uh, yeah. For how many years and how many victims? Oh, and, then, and then dozens, and then, dozens. Mean, so, so you have the the obviously have the emotional cost yeah. on those poor right. boys, yeah. and then you had almost a hundred million dollars spent on settlements yeah. and lawyer fees and blah 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 from the insurance company. I mean, what do you th- what do you think's going to happen that you can just yeah. sweep everything under the rug well, for so many years? That to me that's what it amazes me it's even evil. more is is the fact that the media didn't get wind of this until towards the end. You know, I mean, the media either covered it up or didn't know about. It. How could you not know about it? I mean, the news well, must have been. Maybe they kept they kept a lid on it so tightly. Well, or maybe what ended up happening, and I'm getting I'm just surmising, right. is a, a player basically he gets nowhere with Paterno. Right. Maybe buries it for a little while, then he brings it to light, right. and then they they hush hush pay him x amount of, you know sure. listen, I think, if you get I a couple was, million bucks you're gonna keep so. your mouth shut i think that's probably it i think a lot of players too that this happened to were probably so shamed they didn't want to yeah. go public with it maybe after getting out of the sport you know when they're in their 20s and 30s they're thinking about it and you know maybe that's when it came out i i don't remember the genesis of when the news you know came out initially but i just know that it was a long time between apparently allegedly this guy was doing it back in the late 90s yeah you know, and so. uh, you know, I, I don't. I've never, obviously, never been, never been in that situation. But I'm thinking, you know, if you're a 14 year old boy or 15 year old boy, and now the thing is that the, those boys that would have been like a camp then. Yeah, because, and, right? he, because, apparently he did it at the camp. He did it to some of the players that were you know younger players, and he'd always pick out, out these guys that were from broken homes or had some emotional problems because he knew they were more vulnerable. Exactly. That yeah, to me, yeah, that's, that's, a predator, that's predator. Yeah, predator. Definitely. Yeah. It's just sad. I mean, and, and it's amazing to me. That, you know, I hate to say this, but it's amazing to me we don't hear more of this kind of stuff. Maybe there is a lot of this stuff going on because you think about all the coaches and all the players that are out there. There's got to be a couple out there, unfortunately, that, you know, have these kind of, you know, tendencies. And then, you know, I mean, at some point, Penn State will get its, uh, you know, reputation back. Some point. But can you imagine, like, right after that, how many, uh, how easy would it have been to recruit? Hi, how would you like to play for Penn State? You know Penn State. Go, yeah, that's got. To, I mean, I'd be embarrassed yeah. to be playing for Penn State. What amazes me is that. The, well, I guess at that their stage of the life, that what do they got? What alternative do they have? But the wives of Paterno and Sandusky stuck with them, and and it, it, they claimed that they knew nothing about it and that it was wrong. 
Maybe, I mean, maybe could, Paterno's wife. But maybe Paterno's. Sind- how could Sandusky's wife, wife not know about what's going no, on? No, it's a, it's like when, when there was a big embezzlement and the yeah. wives are making gozillions of dollars from a guy who, who drives a truck. Yeah. And suddenly, I, they all, oh, I had no idea where all these mink coats were coming yeah. from. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, she's almost as guilty as he is for just yeah. for not being. Anyway, I didn't want to get off on a tangent on that, but it just, it just struck me as, as odd and, and really sad that it took all that time. And I guess that's, you know, what happens when you're dealing with something that's so heinous and so shameful, you yeah. know? Anyway. No, so and so Paterno, basically, it's like he he dies within, what, a year? Uh, within, I think it was within a, a year or two, within yeah. Within a year. Yeah. After it comes to light. Yeah. So can you imagine living all those years and not really, like, it affecting you? Well, maybe it did affect him, and maybe that's, you know, the cumulative effect killed him, too. I mean... If you had to live with that, I mean, Paterno seemed like a decent guy. Sure I mean, I, mean yeah. I even interviewed him a couple of times uh, over the years at events, and he seemed like a really straightforward, decent guy. Maybe, um, you know, he was so loyal to his friend that he had to look past this. And maybe he thought, well, you know, it's a, maybe it happened once or twice, but, uh, you know, I know Jerry. He's a good guy. And maybe he found out that when it did happen, he was so far down the road that he thought, oh, gosh, I can't, yeah. I can't say that I knew about this all along, so I'm going to deny the whole thing. Yeah, but it's better just to let him go, like you said, just let yeah, him go. Yeah, let him go or point. just you know, say, hey, look, he's taking a leave, uh, a leave of absence, uh, hey, you know, an unlimited amount of time. Exactly. All right, we're going to cut to our last uh, trivia question here. In 20 seasons from 1963 to 1982, the National League won every All-Star game except for one. Mm. Which year did the American League? It's so funny because it flipped. It right did. now, the American League's been it's winning been for dominating. Um, umpteen years. Yeah, and this one was to me it was kind of a memorable uh, All Star game for a specific reason. But, okay, you know we'll we'll see if you can just okay. uh, get it from that. All right, sounds good. So again, here's our uh, question: In twenty year twenty seasons from nineteen sixty three to nineteen eighty two, can you imagine betting every year? Going, come on! I know the American League's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> the National League won every year except for one. Mm. All right. Now, the first email with the correct answer is going to win a free three-day, two-night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. Email edward at sportsecon101.com. The answer to that question, don't touch that dial. Sportsecon 101 will come back with the, that answer and closing comments. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. 
you'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Third and final trivia question. In 20 seasons from 1963 to 1982, the National League won every All-Star game except for one. Which one? Boy, you know, I used to watch those games regularly. As a matter of fact, I watched them with a lot more interest in the old days because the, the stars would play longer, but I don't remember. Okay, it was 1971, uh-huh. and uh, they, they won 6-4 at Tiger Stadium. Mm. And the reason I remember that, it's going to be uh, MVP of the game was Frank Robinson, ah. but Reggie Jackson hit a towering home run. If he didn't hit it out of Tiger Stadium, it, he hit it like in the... the Third, at least the third deck. Now I remember, I remember that, that. Yes, I do remember that. That Reggie hit some amazing home runs, but that was one that uh, you know because yeah. it was a national, uh, nationally televised game with the All Star game going on. It, yeah, that was a big one. Reggie was an interesting guy. I got to know him a little bit just as a you know reporter, and I never forget his last day with the Oakland A's, which was his last game home game with the Oakland A's. He had a few more before that. He um, hit a got a game winning hit, and I asked him. I said. Uh, so oh, that's kind of a nice way to go out. He goes, huh? And I said, well, you know, your last last big hit in front of the home fans. And he goes, you know something I know? I don't know. And I said, well, aren't you retiring? He goes, I'm not making any official announcement to you. You're a nice fellow, but I, I have a reason, a purpose for that. Uh, but when I do when I do decide to make an announcement, you'll be the first MF I call. <laughs> <laughs> and were you? No. Well, <laughs> now, I had to laugh, though, because that was Reggie. That was classic Reggie. Now, did you just happen to guess that he – or had he kind of no, hinted No, he, he, he had hinted, and everybody – it was common knowledge, and he, he was going to retire. But I think he was just having some fun. <laughs> Reggie always liked to embarrass people, but not in a mean, mean-spirited way. But he'd, he'd kind of look at you. He'd look right through you. And, you know, by this that time – you up, right? Yeah, by this time I'm in my mid-30s, and I'm, I'm past the point of being embarrassed. But I thought it was pretty <laughs> funny. I still have that tape somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's he doing nowadays? I have no idea. You know, I see him once in a while at games. He's close to 70 years old. Wow. Yeah. I bet he could still hit. Oh, I bet you could. Okay, here's our thoughts for the day. The wise does at once what the fool does at last. Mm. And what you get by achieving your goals is not as important 
as what you become by achieving your goals. Who I like said that. that? I don't know. I just said it now. Well, you did. Tune in next week to Sports Econ <laughs> 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and giving away more free vacations. Like those free vacations. Sports questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.